Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. This weekend I met an elderly woman who told me of her atheist father, and he always had a book that he referred to, uh, written by Robert Ingersoll. Back in the late 1800s, Robert Ingersoll was a famous atheist that would lecture around the country, and he, he'd hold up the Bible, in 15 years, I'll have this book in the morgue. And I, I said to that woman in the congregation there, in 15 years, Robert Ingersoll was in the morgue. <laughs> you probably know, the Bible is the best-selling, longest-selling book in the history of the world. But I heard somebody say, the Bible is the most respected, least read book in the United States. So what we're going to talk about in this half hour is what will Bible reading do for you? Let's say you read your Bible just now and then, or you never read your Bible. Well, what would happen if you took that book off the shelf, put it down in, on, next to your bed or TV set, and started reading your Bible every day? We're going to discover it'll do six wonderful things for you. And then the second question we're going to ask is, how should I read the Bible? Is there a way to read the Bible properly so, you know, I don't get messed up? <laughs> so let's do this. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Take out your Bible. We're going to turn to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, but let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we do want to pray for everyone watching this program that some people read their Bible every day, some people never read their Bible. We would pray, Father, that you would just put a hunger in each of our hearts to read your word, find out what you say about things. And Lord, I, I would pray many people would come to regular Bible reading through what they hear. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what will Bible reading do for you? There are six blessings that will happen to your life if you regularly read your Bible. See if you can catch them all. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, this is the last book that he writes before he dies that we have. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and Paul's writing to young Timothy, and he says, Timothy, from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Did you catch those? There are six things, wonderful things, that will happen for you by regular Bible reading. Number one, it says, profitable for salvation. In other words, Bible reading can save you. Here was a a man who was an atheist, and his next-door neighbor gives him a Bible and says, you know, John, I just want to encourage you to read the Bible. And he said, well, I can do that. I don't believe in it, but I'll, I can read it. So the atheist starts reading his Bible, and 
gets about one-third of the way through and says, Wife, if this book is right, you and I are wrong. He, uh, after a while, he'd, he'd read two-thirds of the way, and he says, Wife, if this book is right, you and I are lost. And then finally he got through the entire Bible, and he says, Wife, if this book is right, you and I can be saved. And the story is, he was. <laughs> you know, I like to ask people, how did you come to know Jesus? And very often you get, well, my grandma talked to me, or I was raised in a good church, or I went to Bible camp and got converted. But now and then, it doesn't happen real often, I get the answer, nobody told me about God. I just started reading a Bible. And the more I read, the more I came to Christ. Bible reading can save you. Chuck Colson uh, died a while ago, but he, he started the prison ministry. He told about a hardened criminal that was so mean, he was kept in perpetual solitary confinement. Somebody gave him a Bible. He ripped the pages of the Bible up to roll his cigarettes. Chuck Colson said, though, one day he read one of the pages of the Bible that he had ripped up, and it fascinated him, and he started reading the rest of it. And eventually, he was out of prison. That man today is a preacher of the gospel, said Chuck Olson. <laughs> so reading your Bible regularly can save you. Let's look at the second blessing of Bible reading. Number one, it can save you. But number two, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. Second thing it'll do, it'll give you God's mind on things. Do you know what the word inspired means in Greek here? It means breathed out, like God went and gave us a book. The only book written ultimately by, yes, men wrote it, but ultimately God inspired them to read that, breathed it out through them. The only book ultimately written by God is this book. So it's profitable for giving you God's mind on things. So, I mean, if you want to know, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Who was Jesus? Uh, what is God's belief about premarital sex, abortion, etc.? There's one book that will give you God's mind on things. Third blessing of reading the Bible, 2 Timothy 3.16, again, it says, it is profitable for teaching. Third thing the Bible will do, it'll give you good teaching. Now, if you want bad teaching, you watch Ellen or Oprah or Modern Family, or this horrible new show, uh, The New Normal. If you really want bad, evil teaching, you feed yourself with National Enquirer, People Magazine, etc. But if you want good teaching, there's one place you go. A woman was dying in the hospital, and she said to her friend, would you please read to me? And certainly, what book would you like me to read? And her friend said, there is only one book. If you want to know God's mind on things, if you want to get good teaching in your heart, you've got to read this book. Fourth blessing of the Bible, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures are profitable for reproof, for correction. The fourth thing the Bible will do, it will kick and correct you. <laughs> I read of a Chinese missionary that handed a Chinaman a copy of the New Testament. After a few days, the missionary gets a knock on the door, and here's the Chinaman. Here, take that book back. I don't want that book. You take that book. And the missionary said, 
you know, this is God's word. Why don't you want God's word? Every time I read that book, it kicked me. <laughs> One thing the Bible will do for you, it will kick you and correct you. I'll, t I'll tell you what I thought of. I was a Christian in, co in college, but confused. And I remember joining a Bible study my first year in college. And I was a Lutheran, and I'm in with all these Baptists, and they believe hell's eternal. And I said, well, you know, I don't think that's fair for God to send people to eternal hell. And I believe when you die, you're just wiped out. If you don't believe in Christ, you don't go to hell. And that, that's an old heresy called annihilationism. But they kept saying, but Tom, the Bible says hell's eternal. So that first year of college, I reread the New Testament. Every time it talked about hell, I wrote it down. And by the end of my first year in college, my mind started to change. I believe hell's eternal now. Why? Because the Bible kicked me and said, it's eternal. <laughs> uh, uh, let me tell you, one big reason I read my Bible every day is because it's the job of the world to deceive me. And we Christians pick up the lies of our culture just like everybody else unless we're regularly reading the Bible, letting it kick us and correct us. I will tell you this. Um, another thought that I, uh, my first year in college going way back. So I'm a Christian and my roommate Scott had a girlfriend, Beth, and they were having sexual relations out of marriage. And one day they come to me, well, Tom, you're a Christian. Do you think anything's wrong with us having sex, not being married? And my response was, well, you're planning on getting married. Well, how about abortion? Do you think abortion is wrong? Well, who knows when the soul comes into the baby? And, and, and then, again, my first year, second year of college, I'm rereading my Bible. And I had to go back to Scott and Beth and say, please forgive me. I led you astray. The Bible says fornicators won't go to heaven, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. The unborn child is a human being, Psalm 139. So, you know, if you don't read the Bible and let it kick you and correct you, you'll lead people astray. You know, I, I'll say this again. Back in 2009, the ELCA Lutheran Church voted to ordain practicing homosexuals as pastors. And I don't know if you know the whole story. When they were scheduled to vote on that, a tornado came out of nowhere, ripped part of the roof off of the convention center. The liberal Lutheran Church across the street from the convention, the tornado tore the uh, steeple, the, the cross, the big iron cross off the steeple, and the thing hung upside down for a few weeks. And they went ahead and did it anyway and voted to ordain practicing homosexuals by 66.6%. And, and there has been nothing but division and hurt in the ELCA Lutheran Church ever since. They're losing members, they're losing lots of money, and they should. And you know why they're leading people astray in the ELCA Lutheran Church? They won't let the Bible correct them. You know, there were men and women who got to the microphone before the vote and said, but the Bible says that behavior is wrong. They ignored the Bible and voted it in anyway. If you don't let the Bible correct you, you'll hurt people. Fifth blessing of Bible reading, 2 Timothy 3.16, the scriptures are profitable for training in righteousness. In other words, the Bible will make you holy. It'll make you righteous. And what I thought of on this, when I was in high school and my buddies were getting drunk on the weekend, 
I could never bring myself to get drunk with them. And, and why was that? I think part of it was I was reading my Bible every night. And there's something just about reading the Bible that will make you holy. I'm, I, uh, as a hobby, make pottery. Excuse me, just a minute. And here's a piece of pottery I made. And if you take it out of the kiln and you put it on a table and you roll it across the table, it'll probably scratch up your table if it's, if it's uh, got imperfections on the bottom. So I take my grinder and I grind the imperfections off and then you can smooth it across the table. Well, here's the point. We're all sinners. We all have imperfections. One thing the Bible will do for you if you read it regularly is it will grind off your rough spots. But if you never read the Bible, you're going to be harder to live with. Now, I said this to a, a friend uh, some time ago, and she said, you know, but Tom, I know some Christians who read their Bible regularly, and they're still hard to live with. And I said, yeah, but if they didn't read the Bible, oh, they'd be so much worse. <laughs> so one reason I read my Bible is it makes me holy. It makes me righteous. It rounds off my rough spots. There's a saying, either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Meaning, the reason some people don't read their Bible is because they know what they're doing is wrong and they don't want to hear that it's wrong. Either this book, reading this book, will keep you from sinning or your sin will keep you from reading this book. Here's the last blessing of Bible reading. 2 Timothy uh, 3.17, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Last thing that read, Bible reading will do for you, it'll equip you to do God's work. When Paul wrote these words in the first century, if you were a Roman soldier, you had to be equipped before you went into the battle or you'd die. So you put in all the equipment. And Paul is saying, Timothy, if you're going to serve the Lord, you have to put on the equipment. You have to read God's word or you won't be able to serve the Lord. General Douglas MacArthur, who went through lots of battles, said, Gentlemen, never a night goes by, be I ever so tired, but that I read the Word of God before I go to bed. And if you're going to be equipped to serve the Lord and, and bring people to Christ, you've got to read this book. All right, here's what we have learned so far. If you don't read your Bible, I'm urging you in this program, take it off your shelf, dust it off, read your Bible daily. What will that do for you? Here's what we learned, 2 Timothy 3. It'll save you. It'll give you God's mind on things. You'll get good teaching from the Bible. It'll kick and correct you. It'll make you righteous, and it'll equip you, equip you to serve God. All right, for the rest of the sermon, we're going to ask the question, how should I read the Bible? You know, somebody said to me once, well, you know, Tom, I started reading the Bible, but I found it too confusing, so I stopped. And I said, don't stop. The devil wants you to stop reading your Bible. Pick it up and read it whether you understand everything or not. So what I'm going to share with you now, are, and, and this isn't hard. How do you read your Bible? This is easy. Number one, pray for the Spirit's guidance 
Before I read my Bible every day, I just stop and say, Holy Spirit, help me understand this properly. Because Jesus said in John 16, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. So before you read the Bible, you just say a prayer, Holy Spirit, help me understand this. And then the second way to read the Bible, read the Bible in communion with the church. I read my Bible by myself but I don't really read my Bible by myself because next to my Bible, I have some Bible commentaries. And you know, Christians, we're not the first ones to come along to start reading this book. For 2,000 years, uh, Christians have been scholarly, reading, trying to understand how do you put it all together. <clears throat> so I have a big Concordia Study Bible next to my Bible. I have some good new Bible commentary, the Wycliffe Bible commentary. I have some good, listen, it's worth your money to go to the Christian bookstore and ask for the, I think it's an excellent new one, the ESV Study Bible. And it'll give you the Bible on the top of the page, but it'll help explain the difficult verses on the bottom of each page. It's well worth your money. Go to the Christian bookstore. Get a good, thick Bible commentary. Get the ESV Study Bible or the Concordia Study Bible. But, but don't read the Bible by yourself. Read it the way Christians have read it for 2,000 years. You, you know, you get weird when you read your Bible by yourself and you don't get any help. The reason God gave us the church was so that you'd be in a church where you read the Bible with others so you can bounce things off. Uh, again, I'm going to say this. Uh, the, way, the reason Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, their theology is strange and unbiblical is because they read it apart from church history. The reason the ELCA Lutherans in 2009, when they voted to affirm homosexual behavior, when they did that, they cut themselves off from 2,000 years of Christians the way they read the Bible. And here's what, here's what is safe. When you read a verse and you're not sure how to understand it, ask this question. How have Christians understood that verse for 2,000 years? And when you hear that through a Bible commentary, that's the safe way to go. Next way to interpret the Bible. Scripture interprets Scripture. You don't just read Paul. You don't just read James. You read Paul and James. And then you try to think through how do you fit it all together. For instance, Paul says in Romans 3, we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And then you read the book of James, and James says, so you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And you're thinking, well, what's going on here? <laughs> How do you put those two things together? I believe if you put Paul and James in the same room, they would be in total agreement. But the faith Paul is talking about in Romans 3 is a living, real faith in Christ. The kind of faith James is talking about in chapter 2 of James is the dead kind of faith that even the devil has. So just you've got to uh, let Scripture interpret Scripture. <clears throat> and I would say this. I think 95% of the Bible is easy to understand. There is that 5% that is hard. And for that, you join a Bible study, you get in a good church, and you get some good Bible commentaries. I remember old Maynard Force said, when I'm reading the Bible and I come across something I don't understand, I look at it, I study it, but often I tip my hat to it, walk around it, and move on. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do that. Next way to un understand the Bible. Understand to whom the passage was written and when. For instance, if you read in the Old Testament that you're supposed to kill a lamb when you sin, 
Well, that was written to the Jews before the Lamb of God. Jesus came to earth to die for our sins. So now, New Testament and beyond, we don't kill lambs when we sin anymore. If you read in the Old Testament that you're not supposed to eat pork, well, that was specifically written to the Jews in the Old Testament. In Mark chapter 7, it says Jesus declared all foods clean. He fulfilled the ceremonial and food laws of the Old Testament so you can have a hot dog. So when you read a, a text, you've got to ask, to whom was this written and when? And the next thing to say about reading the Bible, read the verse in context. Do you know that you can quote to quote the Bible to say, there is no God, but read the whole verse. Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. <laughs> so make sure you read the verse before it, the verse after it, and beware of people that take the Bible and twist it out of context. Remember the devil, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, the devil quoted the Bible at Jesus trying to get him to sin. But boy, was the devil taking things out of context. Beware of groups that take things out of context. I'll say it again. Somebody said to me, Jehovah's Witnesses, they know the Bible backwards and forwards, mostly backwards. Read it in context. Another thought of how to read the Bible? Read it by getting a routine. I, I read my Bible pretty much in the morning because that's my routine. If I don't read it in the morning, often it just doesn't get done. So I want to encourage, maybe you're a night person, do it at night before you go to bed. For me, I like to, I had a, an old pastor tell me, Tom, you need to spend one hour alone with the Lord every day. And I don't put a full hour in every day, but a lot of days I do. And in that hour, I pray, I read my Bible. So try to get a routine, though, a regular time when it's just you and the Lord. Last thought about Scripture. Sola Scriptura. The Reformers, that would be Martin Luther, John Calvin, and others, taught the Latin phrase, Sola Scriptura, which means the Bible alone is the final authority. I'm a Lutheran. For me, Martin Luther is not the final authority. If you're a Catholic, I hope for you, the Pope is not your final authority. The final authority for the Christian is, what did Jesus and the apostles teach? What is Old and New Testament teaching? That gets final say. Nothing's wrong with church tradition as long as it's biblical. But if church tradition contradicts scripture, sola scriptura, the Bible gets the final say. And, and I will tell you this, in, in America, for a lot of Christians, the final say, it's not the Pope or Luther or even the Bible, the final say in their life is their feelings. You know, Pastor, I know the Bible says I shouldn't marry a non-Christian, but I prayed about it, and I feel it's okay. I feel the Lord will convert them after we're married. Well, I'm sorry, your feelings are wrong. If you have a strong feeling about something, and the Bible still says you don't do it, then you ignore your feelings, and you follow the written word of God. So our final authority is not Luther, the Pope, or your feelings. What does the Bible say? It gets final say. So, let me just close by saying this. Read the Bible by praying for the Spirit's guidance. Read it in communion with the church. Get some good commentaries. Scripture interprets Scripture. Ask to whom and when was it written. Read it in context and get a routine and, and read it regularly in your life. One last thought. Here's an aunt who dies and she leaves her nephew some money 
and her Bible. The nephew takes the money and spends it quickly, puts her Bible in a chest in the attic. Many years later, the nephew is an old man. He's dying, and he thought, well, maybe I should look at that Bible that my aunt gave me. He gets it out of the trunk, and throughout the Bible, the aunt had interspersed $100 bills. <laughs> he was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, and he didn't know it till it was too late. Listen, I just want to urge you, get your Bible out, read it every day. Don't miss the treasure of this book. It's meant to guide you through life. Don't put it off. Do that today. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, let's go on about reading the Bible. How do you respond when someone says, there's so many denominations and ways to interpret the Bible? How do I know which is right? Right. And, and I would say, look at Yes, there are differences. Uh, Catholic Church teaches this. Lutheran Church teaches this. There are differences on things like baptism, and the Baptists preach this about baptism, and the Episcopalian. And, and there are differences between the denominations. But on biblical teaching, on biblical denominations, on the major things, there's, there's agreement. One God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, saved by grace alone, through faith, through Christ alone, etc. So I would say... Follow what the way Christians have understood the Bible for 2,000 years. Okay, you mentioned Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. and Who are, they, not, who are not Christians. They but say they say they, they, they believe in the Bible. They do. So how do we know their way of interpreting it is wrong? Beware of any church that adds an extra book. The Mormons add the Book of Mormon. The Jehovah's Witnesses base their teaching on the writings of Charles Russell and the Watchtower magazine. I'm a, Luther, a Lutheran, but I do not base my understanding of God on Martin Luther. I base it on Scripture, and Luther was big on that. Sola Scriptura. The Bible is our final say on these things. So just be, uh, uh, stay away from groups that add an extra book. Christian science, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, etc., We've only got 30 seconds left, and I have a lot more questions for you, but one quick question. Mm -hmm. What Bible version do you recommend? Because there are so many. I'd get a real good literal translation. The ESV, English Standard Version, the New American Standard Bible, NASB, those are the, probably the two most literal. If you want to know exactly what the uh, Old Testament and New Testament said in Greek and Hebrew, that, that's what I'd get. Well, we're down to 10 seconds, so we're just going to thank you for being with us this week. Get that Bible off the shelf and start reading it. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we get together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.